Hi, this is Chris Lemon. You're listening to Vicki Abelson's The Road Taken. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson. I wrote a book called Don't Jump. Andy Stone is my heroine, and she was addicted to everything pretty much except heroin. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. She just totally captures the excitement of, of rock stars. And famous athletes and famous comedians. Sort of an insider's view from the outside. The warmth and wit of Vicky's writing knocked me out. In, in a good way, not, not like Cosby. Too soon? Vicky wrote a book? Vicki Abelson's long-awaited new book, Don't Jump, is finally here. Don't miss it. Available on Amazon. Quick Impressions is a full-service commercial printer with pricing that competes with online wholesalers. The difference is their customer service. From business cards, envelopes, brochures, to mailers, presentation folders, DVD and CD packaging, cartons, signs, to calendars, and I've used them for just about all of those things myself, including the galleys and bookmarks and signature plates for my own book, and custom-designed tissue boxes and notepads and labels for women who write. They've done it all. Um, and I ain't easy to please, as you well know, DJ, and they always blow me away. The quality of their work is stellar, and they're the nicest people ever. That's Quick Impressions. Hold the C. Quick. Q-U-I-K. Ask for Rick, but that does have a C, and then tell them that Vicky sent you, which also has a C, and they will love you up. You can find them at quickimpressions.com for all your printing needs. Welcome to Vicki Abelson's broadcast, The Road Taken, Celebrity Maps to Success. Vicki's the creator and host of the renowned celebrity-driven literary salon, Women Who Write, and the author of Amazon bestseller, Don't Jump. Here's Vicki. Hey, Wheezy. Hey, Vicki. Uh, so how are, you t- how are you tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, you know... Truth be told, I've I I'm I'm going through some stuff, some family health stuff. But be, before I get into all of that, um, I want to just talk about this experience that Harry and I had last night. We went to um, the Greek theater for a taping of the new Star Is Born because Lady Gaga was going to be there with Bradley Cooper, and they were going to be filming the concert footage. And I, you know, I know that that movie tapings are, I I warned, I told Harry, they're a nightmare. I mean, you sit around and wait and wait and wait for like five minutes of shooting and then they set it up again and it's five minutes of shooting. So I'm prepared for that. And they had warned us that they were going to take our phones and put them in these seal things. So we wouldn't have a phone, knew that going in. And sometimes it's good to unplug, so that was okay. I brought a little work with me, but I'm on this crazy diet, and I can only eat protein, and I knew that was going to end up being a problem. You couldn't bring any food or drink in, so I was like, oh, if it's long, this is going to be challenging. Anyway, we go, and it's a hot, hot day in the afternoon, and we're standing in line in, in the sun, and we finally get in, and they let us in at 4 o'clock, and they say, well... We're going to get to you at 9. At 9! From 4 till 9, there is nothing. There is no cell phone. I, like an idiot, did not bring a book, although I'm not sure if I would have been able to focus with a 1,000 people around me. But maybe, I, I might have, but then I would have left Harry just sitting there. So five hours of just sitting there waiting, and then they said, okay, we're going to start at 9. 
Well, I didn't know Bradley Cooper was the director, and I believe it's his directorial debut. He spent an hour and a half with his hands, like in a in, making making the the director's box thing, going back and forth in the same line, over the same shot. An hour. And a, they didn't finally shoot the first piece of footage until eleven fifteen at night, and we couldn't leave because the cars were stacked parked in the lot. So. They did, they, they, for one hour in that time, they amused us. They had people from the audience get up and sing a Lady Gaga song, and a couple of them were fabulous. And then they gave away some T-shirts, but at least they were talking to us and there was something going on. But all the rest of the time, we were just sitting there. Like, so you were basically held hostage, hostage as an extra. Hostage. And we paid for the privilege. They char- Oh, no, 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 yes. no, no. They charged $12 for the ticket, and I believe the reason they did that was because that way they didn't have to have anybody sign a release because we no, paid. No, but you were working for them. Well, this is, um, they got, and they gave everybody a little coupon for a hot dog and a bottle of water. And then they were selling potato, they sold a salad for $12, potato chips for a bottle, for $6. I, I bought a Diet Coke. I, I, I've sworn off Diet Coke. I bought a Diet Coke for, for, I don't know what it was, five bucks for, you know, that they had going on. So we paid for, for, we paid for what is it called hospitality we paid for the ticket for them to de- like absolutely abuse us so wait so I so finally 11 15 they just they're gonna they're gonna film a scene and it's Brad meanwhile we've been looking at um fake Bradley Cooper the entire time this very handsome Bradley Cooper look like in the same clothes same hair same everything is standing at the microphone pretending to play guitar for lights, for whatever. This poor guy stood there for five hours. He had to feel like the biggest idiot because everybody's looking at him. And occasionally the guy, would, you know, the MC would talk to him, whatever. But, I mean, it was just, that was a thank. But at least he was getting paid. So I don't have that much sympathy for him. Okay, so then they finally film a scene and Bradley Cooper says, okay, I'm really sorry, but, no, he doesn't say, I'm sorry. First he comes out and he talks to us for a few minutes and we think that it's going to start. This is at nine. No. We see Lady Gaga for like five minutes. She comes out and she's a little tiny thing. I had no idea. And she's got mousy brown hair for this and she has like no makeup on and she's dressed way down. I mean, I would never have recognized her. The star has not been born yet? The star had not been born yet. This was the scene when... She's gestating. Right. When when, Yeah, she's gestating. I don't even know if she's gestating at this point. I think it's the first time she's gone to one of his concerts Ah. um, for those who know the the story. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, she she comes out and she leads us in happy birthday for somebody on... On the, on the set, and talks to us for a second. He talks to us for a second. We watch him setting up this shot for the next two hours and 15 minutes. Then he finally goes to shoot it, and he says, oh, by the way, you're not going to hear any vocals, and you're not going to hear the, the music because we don't want the music to get out. But act really excited. Now, there was a full band on the stage, and he got them to play us one song, while we were for the that whole time because now we're in it for seven plus hours we've been there we got to hear one song and that we could hear he couldn't hear the vocal so now bradley cooper's playing this song we can't hear what he's singing we can't hear what he's playing and everybody's going like this i'm not going like this wheezy i've i'm over it a bunch of people have fucking left by this time i don't know how they got out of stacked parking but a lot of people have left now 
they do like two more shots that take another how, however long. At midnight, at midnight, Lady Gaga comes out. She says, will you guys come back tomorrow? Will you come back the day after we have more? You'll hear more music? More music. And she gets to the microphone and she sings about six bars of romance. Um, mod- bad romance. Bad romance. She sings about six bars of bad romance. Uh, acapella. And then she's gone. And they sent us home. And that was our experience. So are we going back? <laughs> not only am I not going back to that, I will never go to a table. I'm done forever. Yeah, no. Ever. You. Ever. Will never. I mean, I've gone before and had, you know, I know it's a lot of sitting around and waiting, but I, it's, I've never experienced anything like that. Um, but I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back and see the film because I'm, I'm, Bradley, I'm, I'm pissed at Brad, at the Bradley, pissed at the Bradley. And it turns out, I guess when we got home, Harry looked it up online and I guess TMZ had flown over the Greek or something the day before when they were, um, filming some scenes of him actually singing and, and there was footage of him singing for a few seconds. So he didn't want that kind of stuff to get out. So I understand that in a sense, but don't tell people to buy tickets to something to see a concert being filmed with Lady Gaga and then not do it. That's just downright mean. I would say we don't have to blame Bradley, but somebody in charge of whoever or whatever was deceiving the public to fill that place and he was really just trying to do his work under all that pressure. Well, I'm not letting him off the hook so easy because he was the one that made the decision to turn the sound down. He was also the one who was completely ill-prepared for his shoot. He did not know how to set up his shots. He walked back and forth in the same path for an hour and a half. That should have been done before we got there and it was very bad planning. He was not on his... I've seen a lot of directors work and I've seen some who take their time not a lot I've seen a number of directors work it, it was bad for him. but he's a new director he's so a he new was director scared. he's a new director on a big big budget I'm sure motion picture but you know yeah eh, not good for him anyway I, I he he's gorgeous he's adorable but um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little... So I've been doing a lot of protesting and marching, and I think if you guys had started chanting, a star is bored, a star <laughs> is bored, it would have been effective. Well, we, we did chant a few things we weren't supposed to at, at a couple of times. There was a minor faction of us that were dissenters, Um mostly me I was embarrassing Harry I was like they were taking their time with the drawing or something and I was yelling out get on with it get the fuck on with it that's our Vicky <laughs> there I go but anyway so my uh, my my thing tonight um, I uh, my stepfather's uh, Norman Fiedler has been really ill for months and it's been a really um, hard time for him and for my mom and and um, we found out yesterday that he's really ill, and um, I'm not there. It's really hard to be so far away. It has me reflecting on fathers. I lost my father. Um, very pain, you know. Very hard to. to you are, are you close to your dad, Louise? I am very close to my dad. My dad passed away in, uh, I'm not good at years, but my dad passed away at the age of 68 when I was in my 30s. Okay, so now, okay. Um, 
I I went through with my my stepfather who I was very close to died at 67 and I was I was in my 30s and that was horrific that was the first time I'd ever experienced profound lo- close loss like that a, a blood dad so um were you were you close with your father when when he was alive very very close my very- dad knew me better than anyone on the planet <laughs> and uh and so that loss of a father, um, I know for me, um, my father passed, um, God, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not good with years, but I believe it was six years ago. Um, uh, I feel my father with me all the time. I mean, I, I sense him. I hear Al. I have all these, these, these things I've been told that now all is some, you know, someone from the past. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but I had a razor that kept going on. Oh, I know how your dad talks to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He talks to me through the razor and through other appliances and electric toothbrush and all kinds of interesting things. And he appears, he appears when, when I'm having uh, a guest at women who write in my home, that it's somebody that would really have made him proud. Like Carl Reiner, like I start getting like owls are hooting and all this stuff is going on when that stuff happens. Um, but anyway, th- um, knowing that um, this situation is really serious is, really heartbreaking, especially to be far away. And um, I didn't, my stepfather, did your father die suddenly or did you know that he was passing? Was he ill? He suffered a heart attack and he died nine weeks later. Oh, and and was he conscious during that time? Did we, were you able to communicate? Yes, I was back and forth. I, I mean, once again, my mom was in Buffalo with my dad mm-hmm. and I was out here on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So it it was difficult. I was in the middle of my career. Yeah. And I I thought he was going to get better. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that he was going to die. So I still feel guilty that I didn't spend more time with him. Well, I I I don't believe there are missteps. I believe everything happens the way the the plan, whatever the plan is that um it just But you did spend you did you did um, with my stepfather, he died. He had a massive heart attack on his horse, and I didn't get to say goodbye to him, and uh, neither did anybody else. And but he died doing what made him happy. And um, but uh, my dad, um, I spoke to my dad every single day the last like I don't know five years of his life. He had dementia at the end, and um, for much of those years, and. Um, he always knew me until the last time I saw him, he said to me, I know that I know you and you're beautiful, but I don't, I don't, I know you're in my family, but I'm not sure who you are. And that, that almost killed me. But then about 10 minutes into my time with him, he started calling me Vic. He, he, he got it, but wow, that was really sobering. But, and then that was the last time I saw him where we had conversation. And during that visit, somehow brilliantly I shot video of my dad and I singing together and then I shot a whole bunch of video of my dad singing that day and it wasn't the dad that that he was five years prior when you know but it was still my dad and and so I have to say that every time I like turn that 
shit on. He is alive and here, and I'm so grateful to have it. I, the, the thing of him and I singing together is real. I mean, he didn't remember all, hardly anything, but he remembered every lyric to every song. He was a singer. But um, that loss was profound. I, 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 um, I still, there's b- rarely a day that goes by that I don't think of my stepfather, who's been gone for 20 um 23 years as i'm sure is true with with your dad i mean it's i'd like to say if you're listening to this tape record yes. film your parents and your grandparents ask them questions about their childhood interview them instead of them being the people that you swoop past to film the kids in mm-hmm. the pool talk to these people you will be happy that you did damn yes and you know i don't there are so many holes in my family history that i didn't pay close enough attention when the stories were being told and my grandmother really my father's mother didn't really speak english she was from the old country and so we communicated through smiling and whatever and and me helping her cook but um i don't really have the story and and my father had 11 brothers and sisters one died at birth but there were 10 of them and i never got the full story from any of them and they're they're all gone um, there's one left and he has dementia and it's what a, tra- yes. So I, I, your advice, I can't tell you how much that footage of my father and I means to me and it saves my life when I can watch it and bring him back to life. Um, so anyway, so yes. Yeah, so going through this reality, I realized, um, uh, today actually that this is my step my mother's second um remarriage and um my second stepfather and they've been together for um many like 14 or 15 years and married i think at least 14 and um when i first met him he was uh, very t- i found him to be very very serious and kind of harsh he kind of scared me uh, he's a lawyer he was a lawyer and um and he had lost uh, a wife, uh, his longtime wife, shortly before I, a year or so before I met him. And um, he had lost a daughter. And his, he had, there was a lot of sadness, a lot of loss in his life. And uh, he was a lawyer and he was an argumentative kind of person in those days when I first met him. And he used to kind of raise his voice with me and be intense. And he scared me. And um, I was reflecting back on it today because I never think of him that way because over the years, he's not only mellowed, he's turned out to be the most never complains, always telling a joke, always being funny, always finding the humor, softness around his face, completely, all of that is gone. You know, and I don't remember when it happened. I just know that it did. And I can remember being in a restaurant with him about six, seven years ago and him yelling at me because I was had my cell phone out and I was either texting during uh, during a restaurant meal or taking a picture of food. I was doing something and he, he embarrassed me. He yelled at me loudly. And um, I was so upset. And somewhere in there, he became the person that would say, Vicky, take a, you didn't take a picture of the appetizer. And he would remind me at every meal, every dish to take the picture. And we had so many laughs over that stuff. And it, it just, um, fathers come in all ways. You know, he his daughter passed very, very young and his son-in-law um, became his son and raised his his granddaughters, and they are as close as any father and son I have ever seen, if not more so. And 
I ha- I've had mentors in my life that are father figures, and I have now as well. And um, this whole issue of fathers and of that profound, it's a very different connection than the tie we have with our mothers, which I think is complicated in a different kind of way. Um, but it, it, it brings me to tonight's guest, who um, is Chris Lemon, in case you don't know. Um, Chris, Chris's father, Jack Lemon, the iconic, brilliant, genius, unbelievable uh, actor. Um, I, I, I first met Chris because I saw the name and I saw the picture on Facebook and I was like, what? I mean, like I, I literally was like, why is he using his father's picture as his profile picture? That's how much they look alike. And it's not just their physicalization, but it's their expression. And, and, um, and I've spoken to Chris, I've heard his, his voice, he sounds exactly like Jack. And when I started to, I reached out to him because I saw that he had written, um, a book called A Twist of Lemon about about Jack, and I saw that he had turned it into a show, and I was very intrigued by him, and so I reached out to him, and I invited him to come to Women Who Write, and he was maybe the loveliest person ever on the planet, just immediately engaged, totally, I would love to, but he was doing the show, and he was running all over the place, and he wasn't really available, but he was so lovely, and then when my book came out, I don't even know this guy, I asked him if he would read the book and give me a blurb, one of the first blurbs I've got, I got was from Chris Lemon. I mean, just really lovely. And so, you know, I started to do a little research and to learn a little bit about him. And so it turns out that he, he was like a, 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 a incredible pianist and, and could have done that and could have gone that way. And, and Jack Lemon was also a pianist. And I can remember seeing footage of Jack playing piano. And I, I know Jack sang and, and Chris, uh, Oh, and he's here, so we're we're gonna we're gonna welcome him. H- hang on, we're gonna welcome Chris to the show. Um, I'm gonna keep talking about him and tell you that um, he uh, was in the West Coast tour of Barefoot in the Park, directed by Jerry Paris. He was in the original West Coast production of Shay. He was in A. R. Gurney's Love Letters with Stephanie Zimbalist. He um, um, he was in. Um, on TV in Duet and Open House. He co-starred as Martin Brubaker in the TV series Thunder in Paradise, which featured Hulk Hogan. Um, he's a screenwriter and producer. And uh, as I said, the, tr- the, the Twist of Lemon, he turned into uh, a, a one-man show, his book. He appeared in three films with Jack, Airport 77, That's Life, and Dad. Um, and I... I I can't wait to, to dig in and talk about this relationship and which has become it wasn't only something that sustained him through his life but has is still a huge part of his life and when it's someone like Jack Lemon it's hard it's easy to imagine how that presence would stay with you forever Chris are you there Vicky you had to say airport 77 I'm sorry <laughs> Come on, that's how are you, sweetie? Oh, you know, I was just telling Wheezy. This is Louise Polanka, who's my producer. Hi, Chris. Can I call her Wheezy? You can, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Please do. So, so Wheezy worked on the Jeffersons as a as a page when she was a young girl, and that's how she she got the name. <laughs> it was unavoidable. Um, but anyway, Chris. So, so 
we were we were discussing. I was I was telling uh, Wheezy about you and how we met on Facebook and how incredibly wonderful you were from the first moment and how accessible and available and generous and gave me a blurb from my book and how I've been trying to coerce you. To you get are to you are so lovely <laughs> and your book is fabulous <laughs> and and so are you and everything you do. You know, you really exemplify what it's all about. Just, just keep showing up and, and, and working your ass off and, and having great talent. So it's my pleasure to be here tonight with you. Thank you, Chris. Um, uh, I, I appreciate that so much. And, I, and I'm going to keep working on you to get you in the living room to do Women Who Write until we get you there. I know you're busy as like crazy taking um, a twist of lemon all over the place. So before, before, we, we, before we talk about your, your, your current work, I, I wanted to ask, I mean, I, we were just talking about fathers because um, Louise and I both lost our fathers and um, I've had a stepfather pass and I have a... My, my stepfather now is, um, I just found out, very, very ill. And um, this relationship with fathers is so, runs so deep that no matter, for me, even him coming into my life later in life doesn't change how strong that connection is. And I know that, I, I think I know that um, your relationship with Jack, that you didn't spend your whole life growing up in the same house with him. So I, I want to hear about your childhood and, and what that was like back then. Like, oh. Yeah, listen, I, I'm so sorry to hear that that's happening with you right now. Thank um, you. You know, relationships are what they are, and, and they're incredibly mercurial, but at the same time, so steadfast mm. uh, in our lives, and they mean so much. Uh, you know, uh, what, what, what can I say? Um, you know, I, I had more steps and halves and this is and that yeah. than you can count on, on, on seven hands. <laughs> um, but, but, but I had one very special one with a man named Jack Lemon, mm. who was my father. And he was an erstwhile father uh, through most of our, our years together. Uh, he did place his career first. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, he did place his life first above his familial ties, and, and that was difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, and it led to a, I think, very unique, but in, in so many ways universal father-son story. Uh, I think that, that this, this enigmatic relationship, loving yet competitive, caring yet judgmental, mm. is... Um, so universal mm. in so many ways, yet it was also Jack Lemon and Chris Lemon. And so, you know, after I lost him, and after all the, the angst that we went through, uh, I, I, I yearned for, for some form of, of, of catharsis. Mm -hmm. and, and I started writing down our memories. Okay, so before you before we talk about you writing down the memories, which we are going to get to, and I want to hear we want to hear a lot about that. I want to hear about what your life was like when you're little Chris Chris Lemon and you're 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 a little kid. When do you become aware? At what point are you always or are you always aware that your father is different than everybody else's father? Well, that's the opening statement of my show. Is it? You know, I mean, what is it like to be Jack Lemon's son? Ah, so tell us. How what do you is answer it? that question? Yeah. How does any kid? 
yeah. answer that question. Well, do you know uh, your how father? How do you answer that question? Well, Tell do me. you? Uh, my father was in show business. My father was a singer and a, and a Borscht Belt MC, and he was also a Hebrew teacher during the year. I knew my father was different because my father was on the stage, and the women threw their room keys, and they had crushes on him. I, I knew that was not like everybody else. Um, I love that about my dad. I loved his show busy whole thing. Um, but it didn't take him away from me, although it eventually did. My parents did divorce when I was nine. So y- your dad and your mom, how long are they together when you're... It sounds like the same story. Uh, it, I was three. Oh, oh, really little. Okay. And and do you know at three that your father is special? Do you know that? No. 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 It, it, no. Actually, gosh, Nikki, that actually happened um, in the schoolyard of, you're in L.A., Carl Thorpe's school on San Vicente Boulevard in, in, in Santa Monica Heights. Um, uh, I, used to, I, I used to actually ride my bicycle up, up the Santa Monica ramp to school. Wow. Age, you know, yeah, in fifth grade. Try that now. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and one day some kid came running up to me in the schoolyard and said, you know, my father's more famous than, than yours. <laughs> He's Jim West. Oh my God, that's hysterical! <laughs> have you ever have have you seen him since? <laughs> no, I haven't. No, that but would... I remember my response. Yeah. You know, in, in fourth grade, I, I just turned and said, "Well, of course, yeah, he's Jim West." <laughs> but, but but then it hit me. You know, I didn't realize my father was famous. I thought he was just an actor. Ah. Uh. So um, that's the best way I can answer that. So when was the first time that that you remember? Uh, can, when was the first time you remember, like, knowing that your father was an actor? Like, did you go to a movie? That. Yeah, that was it. Uh, he'd pull up in his his bubble Jaguar, his little brown. Oh my god! Uh, you know, uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, uh, my what, dad what, what did what not have call, a Jaguar. What did they call those? Uh, no, no, no. The color. Yeah, uh, baby, baby poop brown. <laughs> That's what most of the houses are in L.A., aren't they? Uh, baby poop brown. Uh, yeah, his baby poop brown bubble jaguar. Wow. Uh, and all the kids would go, oh, my God. Wow. But they weren't looking at him. They were looking at the car. Right, right, right. And then, and then so, okay, so he had this great car, and then, but when did you... Like, no, he was an actor. Like, how did you know he was an actor? Did you watch him film something? Did you go see a premiere? Like, what, what, what was that? It's such a tough question. Mm. It, it, it's really kind of the source subject of the entire show. I'm doing. Wow. Okay. That whole realization doesn't just happen at once. Mm. It's not, you know, a thing you go, oh, oh, it was then. Uh-huh. Um, or at least for me, mm-hmm. uh, it, it took place over thirty years. Right, uh, we were ripped apart for all those reasons, uh, and over the course of those years, we came back together. Um, but it took thirty years. It wasn't really until I was much older that we finally become became after so much, oh God, so many journeys in so many ways. We became the best of friends, though everything, the tidal forces of nature, did their best to tear us apart. Uh, finally, we became the best of friends and, and turned to each other and, and looked at each other and went, oh, gosh, I really like hanging with you. Wow. How, at what stage of your life was that? 
after 20 years in Alaska together, uh, fly fishing, <laughs> watching them fall in the river and get chased by everything from bears to chipmunks. Huh. Um, and then 10 years at Pebble Beach, that magnificent place where he tried to make the cut, uh, you know, the, the ethereal cut for, for, for 35 years and never did. Uh-huh. Um, uh, uh, you know, as I say in the show, uh, the 11th year at Pebble Beach, he got too sick to play. We'd finally become the very best of friends against all odds. And so we sat in his hotel room together uh, for those three days and watched. And that year, his, his long-suffering playing professional playing partner, Peter Jacobson, made the cut. Mm. And he would have, uh, oh, I, I'm sorry, won the tournament, and he would have made the cut oh. uh, that year. And then the 12th year, well, mm-hmm. he, he died. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd finally requited our relationship after 35 years of trying and tier, 10 years of uh, estrangement. And then he died. All right. I, I know it's it's touchy for you to talk about this stuff because it's all the basis of your book and of your show. Let's Let's see if we can talk about you a little bit first. So let's take, if we can take Jack out of the equation just for right now. And so you're a little kid. You have this famous dad, but you're, he's not in your house. Um, and so what's your, what's your little, what's, what's your young childhood like growing up? Are you a happy kid? You go into school, you having, do you have friends? What's, what's your passion? What do you want to be when you grow up when you're a little kid, Chris? You know, you're asking me amazingly difficult questions, and, and they're not just difficult for me. They're difficult for any kid. Um, you, again, universal uh, yet unique story. Uh, it was, it's an impossible question to answer, so all I can do is answer in anecdotes. Um, uh, you know, as, as I say in the beginning of, of, of this play, this led me on a lifelong journey of discovery, mm-hmm. and I wasn't even the right one to answer it. Um, there was somebody much more appropriate uh, to answer it, and that was Jack Lemon. And that's when I become him mm. and, and do the play entirely in his voice. Um, basically, before the show even starts, Jack's been called into his doctor's office, and he's been told by the doctor he calls Schmuckleface uh, that he has uh, three months to live. And um, uh, and so Jack decides he's going to bring all of his best buddies into his living room and tell them this life story. And during the, the course of telling that story, he stumbles across his relationship with his son, me, and, uh, uh, and brings it full circle. It's how do, how do any of us answer that question? Well, I, I, I think... I, I... I, you have a very unique perspe- perspe- perspective, and you've also been working. This has been your life's work for so long that you're seeing it through those eyes. But I'm asking you to change your your glasses and your filter for just a moment and take, it, it, instead of seeing it through Jack's eyes, seeing you, I'm asking you what your memory as a little boy looking out from those eyes, like what did what did. Chris dream of being when Chris was five or six or seven Chris or eight? Spent, uh, Chris spent many years mm-hmm. staring at that empty chair mm-hmm. at the end of the dinner table, mm-hmm. uh, the one where the father goes. Right. 
and wishing there was someone there and wondering why it wasn't there mm-hmm. and what would it be like if there was. Uh, so it becomes a very ethereal question. Uh, what if there was a father there? Mm-hmm. What would he be like? Who was he? Um, and the answer to that for little Chris was every once in a while this enormous figure who the world adored Mm -hmm. would come walking through the front door with a guilt gift Mm -hmm. under his arm Mm -hmm. and spend a few hours Mm -hmm. and maybe sit down at the piano and and play a little bit Um, and it was never enough Mm. but the one thing he did back then was to actually realize, and I hope this kind of the, is, is the point of what I'm trying to get across in what I'm saying in this, my magnum opus. Um, it, we're all human. We all have faults. It, it, we all are fallible. And if we can understand that about each other, accept it instead of resenting it, then we can... The worst mistake we could ever make is hating each other mm-hmm. and not giving each other a chance. I remember a, a guy, you know, a critic actually, one of the reviewers, uh, who saw my show early on, uh, came the next day after seeing the show and said, um, I, I hate my father. Haven't seen him in years. We parted enemies. And uh, after watching the show last night, I, I, I'm going to go try to find him. Wow. And many months later, I was half a world away, and, and I saw him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, I found him. Wow. He's here. Yeah, he's here, and uh, 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 he's going to die. Uh, and I found him just in time. <laughs> and we've requited our relationship, and I'm able to move down here and be with him for his last days. Wow. Uh, so, I'm, yeah. There, that's what it's all about. Okay, but I'm I'm st- I'm gonna keep pushing till I get you to come with me. You're still a little kid. You're still going to school. You have a mommy. You have friends. You do have yeah, the a mommies life. are always there, aren't they? Right. They're the ones administering the hugs and the band aids, and they don't get talked about enough. Uh, you know, we're all worried about Jack and 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 how Jack and Chris were. But let, let me tell you, I would love to hear about your mom, Cynthia Stone. Let's she hear. Was an angel. Tell, tell me about she her. He was a glorious, glorious angel who was there for me and my sister Stephanie, and she was there 24-7, and she never stopped being there until she was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 62. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to spend one last Christmas with her family. Mm-hmm. She was only given a few months to live. Uh, she wanted to spend one last Christmas with her family, and she made it seven months until Christmas and died the day after. Oh, my. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, okay, they so... They teach us great lessons of, of dignity mm. and courage and strength. Um, For her to do that mm-hmm. in her death. Well, yeah. Okay, now, so now your sister Stephanie, older, younger? She's younger. She's yeah. younger. Also Jack's? No, 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 that was, uh, <laughs> my mother, 
My mother and father were divorced when I was three. Mm-hmm. Uh, she remarried Cliff Robertson. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. <laughs> my, my, my sister is Stephanie Robertson. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, then, then they got divorced. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, wait, so and how, my how long was my, my dear, wait? Wait, my how dear long mother, was how long was Cliff around? Yeah, a few years. Okay, but uh, after they were divorced, my dear mother said enough of Hollywood and moved to Florida, married a Culligan Softwater salesman <laughs> named Bud McDougal, who was her old childhood sweetheart from Peoria, <gasps> Illinois. Oh wow! And they lived in Miami until mom regretfully passed away at, at her early age. Wow. Wow. Okay, I just want to say that is, I, I mean, I, I, I can't even discuss, which I'll try to at some point during this conversation, my absolute adoration of your father. Um, I saw Days of Wine and Roses when I was way too young to see it, and it has left an indelible impression that I will never, ever shake. Um, we give it a big nod of the head in the show. I, I, um, I'm an addict. I'm in recovery. and um... uh, My father was also an addict, mm-hmm. uh, and he made it an enormous part of his life uh, to publicly admit that. Mm-hmm. When it was all but career suicide, uh, the man wow. uh, admitted it publicly on the actor's studio with James Lipton, mm-hmm. uh, and you can see James Lipton's jaw drop. I, I would ask you all to Google that I'm moment. going to... Chris, is this before Days of Wine and Roses or after? Blake Edwards, who was also an alcoholic, mm-hmm. turned to my father on the set of Days of Wine and Roses and said, Jack, doesn't it bother you that we're doing a show about an, an alcoholic and we're both al- al- alcoholics? <gasps> wow. To which my father said, Jesus Christ, when's the next take? <laughs> so, do, wow. So during the making, well, you know, d- during the you making know. of that film, he was actively drinking. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, but it was, it was that era. Well, yeah, of you course. Know, it was that, uh, again, another thing. I, keep, I, I hate this. When I do these interviews, I keep saying, as I say in the show, but I do. Mm-hmm. That's what this show is about. Mm-hmm. It's about this entire era. It's about the drama and all the bumps in the road and the tragedy. But it's also about this wonderful golden era of innocence, Hollywood's golden age, Camelot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there was just, and, and about him, the human leprechaun, Jack Lemon. You know, hey, baby. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, you know, it, and that's what I hope that this brings across the fact that that life is so full of laughter and tears. And that's what he couldn't understand. The fact that he was always coined as the funny guy, Mm -hmm. but, but he really truly believed that the great statement an artist can make is the joining of comedy and drama, the, the smile face and the sad face, uh, as Jean-Louis Barreau did his greatest hero in, in, in uh, one of the greatest films ever made, uh, uh, The Children of Paradise, mm-hmm. Les Enfants de Paradis. Well, I, I, your dad, um, for me, I mean, Days of Wine and Roses is, when I think of him, it's the first thing that I think of, even though Under the Yum Yum Tree is one of my all-time <laughs> no, favorites. No, no, you should actually think of The Apartment. 
I love the apartment. I love the apartment. You know, I mean, there's there's so many iconic films, but also you know, Save the Tiger, very serious film. I mean, your dad. I'm now sounding like your dad somehow, but he he crossed you that. Have to, you have to the the you have to interrupt yourself, Vicky. Okay. If you're going to sound yeah, like Jack uh, Lemmon, you have to interrupt. All right, yourself. but wait. We I want to stop all this Jack Lemmon talking career talk. We're going to get back to this because I still want to know about Chris. I want I somehow I want to get Jack out of the equation just for this little bit of time so that I can learn more about Chris because I want to know you're a little kid. I mean, and Cliff Robertson, oh my God, Charlie, one of my favorites of all time, that yeah. movie. Oh my God. So it's the first book my son ever read that he actually read, The Flowers About Yeah, Delta. that was Cliff's real baby. Oh God, was that. You know, Cliff did the original Days of Wine and Roses. You do no, know that. I don't know that. As a teleplay, yeah. I don't know that. Wow. Yeah. Does that exist yeah. still? Is it somewhere? Oh, sure. Wow, I'll have to try and find that. I, I adored him also. Okay, so, so... So you're this little kid, you have this wonderful loving mom, you are you're in you're in you're in California, you're in you're in I don't know where are you? Hollywood well, not Beverly. that idyllic. A, a lovely a, a lovely wonderful loving mom mm-hmm. who was left by herself and probably scared to death. Mm-hmm. Um, with two kids, mm-hmm. you know, by herself in the middle of Los Angeles with all this nonsense going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that easy. I'm it's a single mom a of two kids in mom. Los Angeles. I get you. She was ya. able to do that under enormous pressure. Yeah. Did she work? She continued to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? She was uh, she was nominated for an Emmy on Dr. Kildare. Oh my god, I love Dr. Kildare. With Richard Chamberlain. Loved it. Wow. Um, in a brilliant performance where she played a, a woman who suffered from polio. Which, as a matter of fact, she did as a child. Get out of here. Paralyzed her entire <gasps> left side. Oh, my. At the age of seven. Oh, my. Oh, wow. there's all sorts of stuff going on, Vicky. Wow, on. wow. That's intense. That, so, and, and she recovered. What was it? You do- know, everybody thinks Jack Lemon's life is so interesting. Cynthia Stone, uh, you want to talk about a life. The Stone family, mm-hmm. the Stone Smith family, family actually came over on the Mayflower Holy from crap. England. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, a stone served as one of the generals under George Washington. Wow. Um, uh, in the, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, Gene and I were just, we just did a performance last weekend at one of Chicago's first Speakeasies, the Arcata Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's where, where. Oh God, what was his name? The, the big uh, Capone was it Capone, the big Chicago guy. Well, Capone's there. Yeah, yeah. that uh-huh. was his his hot spot. We we did we did two. Uh, oh God, they were lovely there too. Full houses, and they just jumped up and were just they were so great. And then Gene and I went the next day. It was our 29th anniversary, mm-hmm. and watched Hamilton. Wow, nice. Yeah, nice. Man. Yeah, let's talk about raising the bar for any future Broadway. I know, except, you know, I the, the Tony Award nominations just came out. I, I got to see Evan Hansen, Dear Evan Hansen, which was phenomenal. And I loved falsettos, but, and I didn't get to see Hello, Dolly, because I couldn't get tickets. But yeah. that's going to just, but I saw the great comet. Yeah, it's, but Hamilton is just. Oh, my it's, Lord. It's, yeah. Uh, gosh, uh, you know. I, I don't mind paying for $40,000 for a <laughs> ticket. 
<laughs> well, I Louise, Wheezy uh, spent quite a bit of dough to get her tickets and go to New York just for it. Oh, just Wheezy, you've been pretty quiet over there. What's going on? Uh, I'm a Hamill fan. I'll give you that much. Uh, and I bought tickets again for L.A. Did you? Re- yeah. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be. Yeah, here. we did the Chicago one, obviously. Uh, it was terrific. Was just, it? Just fabulous. How did it compare to the to the Broadway version? Well, I don't know. I don't have that much money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's, that's fair. So, um, okay. So. So your mother has, um, uh, okay, so let's get back to this. So you, you have this mom who's a, a flawed human being, but she's a loving mother, and she's having a rough time raising two kids as a single mom. I get it. I'm a single mom. I get it. It's, it's intense. Um, your little kid, when do you start playing piano? When, when do you start that in your life? You know, I, it's it's all part of the show again. Stop uh, with the show. We, we're, Jack, we're, no, I get to say that. Okay. I get to say that. This is my. This is really the the most important thing I've ever done. It, it's taken me ten years to create. I appreciate so I get that. To, I get to say that. Uh, actually, uh, in the show, uh, a very uh, pivotal moment is when my father realizes that he's been a dick. Mm-hmm. He's left my mother. He's left her alone. He's only cared about himself and his career. Um, but he's still a good guy. You mm-hmm. know, he's a good guy. He didn't mean to be that way. Mm-hmm. And she's divorced him for it. Mm-hmm. And she's moved into Harold Lloyd's Beach House on Santa Monica Beach, uh, which was, that's a whole other discussion. Mm-hmm. I mean, this glorious place uh, during this time, this era of innocence this golden age of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He comes to see Chris, but he comes to see Cinny because he never stopped loving her. Mm. And he, he never stopped hating himself for losing her wow. because he was so selfish wow. and, and, and self-involved. Mm. So he comes to see his kid really under the guise mm-hmm. of seeing the woman he still loves, mm-hmm. who he's now divorced from, mm-hmm. uh, in this crazy old place on Santa Monica Beach, three three houses down from Marilyn Monroe and, oh, and my Peter God. Lawford. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a hell of a story. Wow. Uh, and and he'd, he'd sit down and he'd do what he loved to do the most because, you know, he just he couldn't give enough of himself uh, to be... Honest with other people. Mm. Let's, let's be honest about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was scared of relationships. That's why he was always most comfortable in front of the camera mm. and playing a character. How many of us are there out there that are like that? Mm. Uh, and so he'd play the piano. Mm. And of course, I would come along and try to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so finally he turns to me and goes, look, kid, if you're going to play, play. You've you, you got to take some lessons. <laughs> and in the meantime, let me show you a couple of things. And, uh, and, and he you're giving me goosebumps because I feel like I'm in the room with Jack. Well, that's what you're supposed to. Yes, I know. Considering I do the entire play in his voice, ah. <laughs> if I don't do it right, mm-hmm. we're kind of screwed, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... What what kind of childhood did he have? Like, what made him, do you think, so shut down that he... I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he had adenoids as a kid. Uh-huh. Um, so it was a physical thing. Mm. And back then, if you had that, it was a very painful thing. And, you know, and doctors with big periscope eyes would come mm. and poke at you. And, 
and he would pull away. Mm. He'd pull away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, the wonderful story I just don't have time in the show to tell, but I do tell in the book of his father teaching him to light fireworks. And, you know, and he takes a, a, a firework and, and lights it and, and throws it away and, 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 and watches it explode. The, the, the pictures in the show. Mm-hmm. And, and, and little Jack goes, oh. And then he says, hey, okay, here's the firework and here's a little lighter. You do it. And Jackie lights the firework and throws the lighter and sits and watches oh, the lighter on. Oh, oh. <laughs> and just in time, oh. and, you know, Pop slaps the firework out of his hand oh so his little fingers aren't blowing off, thank oh. God, because he was a hell of a pianist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so there was a lot of stuff that went into it. I mean, we are what, what we are. Do you you, know. Did you know your grandparents? Did you know his parents? Yes. Uh, uh, I knew... I knew uh, Gigi so well. She, she called herself Gigi, short for gorgeous grandma. <laughs> uh, she was glorious. Mm. Uh, she was very much a part of my young life. Mm. Uh, grandpa Jack was too, as much as he could be. He also, you know, he had that whole sort of Scots, Irish, German. He, he backed off a lot. Mm. There wasn't, you know, uh, but at the same time, he had such a loving heart. And, and he was he was so there, so I mean, hey, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it's, there's no easy story to tell. Um, did when, did you was did, was Jack to, close with his parents? But, what what was his relationship with his parents like? Do same you think? thing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Close but distant. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's it's 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 the guts of what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah. It's why it's taken me so long to find it. Mm. It really is. What is it? What do we do with each other? What is this incredible, complicated dance that we do? It's so lovely and so glorious, but so distant at the same time. I have a question. I usually don't jump around time like this. I usually try to stay... Uh, pretty on, on a... On a um, I can tell that about you. But but I'm tr- what is it called when you... I can't even think of what it's called. When, when you're linear. Li- linear I'm usually, yeah. yeah, I'm usually linear. But but I, I'm thinking of this now. My I'm guessing that your relationship with your children is not like this. No. Um, I'm, I'm so proud. If I'm going to... You know, if I'm going to talk the talk, I've got to walk the walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dear wife, Jean, and I... Uh, last weekend in Chicago, went and saw Hamilton uh, <laughs> to celebrate our 29th anniversary. Fantastic. My one and only wife. Fantastic. Uh, we have three children. All three are in college. The play better be a hit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, my, my daughter, Sydney, graduates from the Yale School of Drama with her master's degree. Uh, in, in a couple of weeks, uh, my, my, my middle boy, Chris, is at LaSalle. He uh, uh, it, it already has landed a job at Tesla. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and my youngest, Jonathan, is at Trinity, where they don't give you any breaks at all, so we're really broke. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, uh, but he's the, 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 the uh, stroke seat on the number one varsity boat in the crew team and mm-hmm. doing just great. Fantastic. It, it's, it's been uh, it's been wonderful. Okay, so uh, more than their accomplishments, I guess. No, I, I, no, I've been here every yes, moment. I gave yeah. up my career to do it. Jesus, uh, you know, I moved to to Glastonbury, Connecticut, um, to this glorious place.
place, and I'm not Dustin Hoffman or Meryl Streep, so, uh, you know, uh, it's been tough. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, they don't give you jobs when you live in Glastonbury. Yeah. Uh, I remember my father once saying to somebody, uh, a dear friend of mine said, why don't you move to, to Santa Barbara, open up a little shop, and just, just be comfortable. He said, out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. That's coming from Jack Lemmon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. You only get one chance with kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to do that right. Uh, if, if everything I'm talking about in this show, if everything I believe in, I had to do that right. So I'm, I'm going to assume, just from what dealings I've had with you, which are minimal from Facebook, but I get an overwhelming feeling of warmth and affection from you every time we have any kind of connection. I'm assuming that your children know how much they are loved and that you are affectionate with them and have a very different relationship with them. Yeah? You know, I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Uh, that's a really good question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I am here mm-hmm. for my wife and my children. I hope more than for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope my father wanted to be that mm-hmm. and tried to be that. But we're all human and we all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so do you think when you were a kid and, and you were looking at that empty chair and hoping for more, how, how do you think that drove you in your path? I mean, because you followed your father's path. You became an actor. and you I had no choice in that. How so? As my father would say, it's in the genes. It's all in the genes. <laughs> so, so what was your first? What, what, what did you? I wanted to be a classical pianist. I, okay, I know that. So, what, what? So, how did you change courses on that? How did that change? Because I sucked as a classical pianist. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you're playing piano. When do you? When do you start? When do you do your first show? What? Do you remember your first line? Do you remember your first role? I fucked up my first show. Oh, what was did it? I just make a yeah, no, no. You're allowed sorry. to say fuck on this show. I'm it's sorry. my show. We we say all those things. So oh, okay, good. So, so what? Uh, yeah, no, I remember. Leonard Hamber was my teacher at CalArts. Okay. He said, Chris, you're going to play the Gershwin Preludes tonight. I said, what? He said, yes, we have five dancers. They need accompaniment. You're going to play the Gershwin Preludes. I said, I don't know how to play the Gershwin Preludes. <laughs> he said, well, then you'll learn. Well, I went on stage in front of 400 people at CalArts. Um, uh, with five dancers on stage. Mm-hmm. I got the first one out. I got the, the famous second one out. I got all the way through the third until the grand stretto at the end. Mm-hmm. And then I fucked it up. <laughs> I left all five dancers standing on stage, took a bow, and walked off. <laughs> I had to do two more shows. I fucked it up for both those shows, too. It became the hottest ticket on CalArts campus. <laughs> Everybody wanted to come and see Chris Lemon fuck up the Gershwin Preludes. Oh, my God. The That's third, the, After the third night, I'm sitting at Tips. I don't think it's there anymore mm-hmm. in Valencia, California, off, mm-hmm. off, you know, across the highway from mm-hmm. CalArts, having a, a, a drink made by a famous mixologist mm-hmm. at, at Tips Bar mm-hmm. named Bobby Batugo. It was called a, a Casa de Valencia. <laughs> it, 
thing of ice with some kind of booze inside. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there drinking it. I had like, it was like my father from the apartment. Mm-hmm. He had the three martinis mm-hmm. lined up, had three Casa de Oros mm-hmm. lined up. <laughs> and Corey Carson, Johnny Carson's kid. Wow. One hell of a good guitarist, by the way. Oh, really? Classically trained guitarist. Mm-hmm. Comes walking in, sits down next to me, and is very silent for a few minutes. And I'm very silent with my Casa de Oros. <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns to me and says, is, um, have you thought about a different career? <laughs> so, okay. So, there you go. So, okay. So, now that's your, your piano career. So, so when did you, wh- what's your first play? What's the first time you're acting? I was actually acting before I graduated with a BFA in classical piano and, and, and well, almost, <laughs> and composition uh, from CalArts. I'd done two or three different series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pilots and this and that. I, I can't even. But I mean, as a kid, did you did you do school plays when you were a kid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I kind of sucked. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, it just was. I, I struggled against. I mean, as Chris says in the beginning of this play, you know, uh, how do you follow in the footsteps of a giant? Yeah. Yeah. It's. I did everything I could not to. It's. It's scary. But uh, then you ended. But, but then you ended up doing it, and you you were on stage, and you you. Uh, what what came first? Was was TV I first? I don't think or sta- I ever really did it. Oh, what do you mean? Until until this one. Okay. I really don't. There was a couple. I was always better at stage than I was at anything else. Hmm. Uh, you know, I you know, listen. I had a big hit with 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 duet, mm-hmm. uh, it, which started the Fox. Network. Um, I loved uh, that show, by the way. It was a good show. I loved that uh, show. But that, that was all Ruth Bennett and, and, and Susan Seeger. I mean, it, you know, and the writers, Judd mm-hmm. Pillett and John Peasley. I mean, it, that's, you know, sitcom is all producer writer driven. Hmm. Uh, you know, we'd show up on Tuesday, say, you know, rehearse it and go play golf, and then shoot it on Friday. So I'm not going to take any credit for any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were. The brilliance behind that show. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I was pretty fucking good. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Allison LaPlaca, my my still to this day dearest friend, Mary Page Keller, oh. uh, and her husband Thomas Griffith, uh, who wasn't on that show, but he's still one of my best friends. Uh, and Matthew Lawrence and little Jody Thielen. Uh, no, I didn't mean little. I'm sorry, Jody. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. That was very demeaning. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a good show. Uh, yes. And uh, I've done some good stuff, but there was never anything I could point at and say I did that. I really never could say, you know, I wrote it, I produced it, I directed it. I, 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 everything, every period in this is, is created by me. I, all right, wait, uh, we're, we're going to get to that. Before we get to this, because we're, okay, we're, okay. we're going to get to it in a couple minutes, because we're, we're, there's not a lot of time. Okay, so now, how do you get into the movies with Jack? How does that happen? What do you mean? How did you end up making movies with your dad? Oh, he did everything he could not to make a movie with me. So how did, how did you get in there? What, what happened? Because in this business, you know, I mean, in any other business, you're a chip off the old block. In right. This business is it's nepotism. Right. And he was scared to death of that. Mm. And so was I. Mm-hmm. 
um, because it is. And there's a few people that wonderfully shine uh, despite that. Um, you know, God bless you. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Uh, uh, you, you know, I don't need to start naming mm-hmm. names. Um, uh, you know, who are really good. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, you're, uh, you're, you're pretty much slammed on down. Mm-hmm. Um, though I must say, I'm really very pleased to say my, my, my dear daughter who is going to be the fourth Lennon, uh, uh, was at the Falcon Theater. God, God bless Kathleen Marshall and, and her lovely father. Gary Gary did the living room. He did Women Who Write. I love Gary. Yeah. Uh, she did the Yale School of Drama, brought them all out, and they were at Kathleen's, now Kathleen's place, at the Falcon. Um, uh, and uh, and Sid's, Sid's getting calls. She's getting calls. Fantastic. Yeah, you know, geez, what do you, gosh, this crazy business. Isn't it amazing? We're just gypsies, aren't we? We, we you know, we, your daughter, we float I think, about and, and we see what happens. I think you told me your daughter's like graduating like next week. She, you're, you're making a party for her or something. Is it next week? Yeah, we're, well, we, we've done a few sleepovers mm-hmm. for, for the Yale School of Drama, uh, the, the graduating class. Gosh, you know, they're the future of, of show business. Mm. These kids are incredible. They're absolutely brilliant. I'm sorry, this is like the ninth time I said the F word. <laughs> That's quite you all know, right. You know, my father used to do that. I always say it once in the show. Uh, mm-hmm. And he said it to me a lot. And, and the other person he said it to a lot was Kevin Spacey. Huh. He adored You know, he adored yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, who's a brother. He wrote, he wrote the foreword in the book, you know. Mm. Um, and I, I, we do a tip of the hat to Kevin, of course, in the show. And, and, uh, at one point, what's, what's the scene? Uh, you know, uh, Kevin is busting Jack when they're doing long day's journey, uh, into night. And Jack is, they've just had this magnificent night where Jack is going, it was so magical. Everything was perfect. I pulled the two little rat bastards, him and, uh, Kevin and Peter Gallagher out on the stage and insisted we run every scene again to try to find that. Again, and, and, and Spacey suddenly stops and he says, Jack, you know, you totally screwed a line. And Jack says, what? What are you talking about? I did not. Mm-hmm. And Spacey says, yes, you did. You're supposed to say, there's a gloom in the air you could cut with a knife. And Jack says, yeah, so? Spacey says, you said, there's a doom in the room you could shake a stick at. <gasps> and Jack says, I did not. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> That was his way of saying I love you. Oh. Yeah, well, it's kind of my way of saying I love you, too. So I, I relate. Um, You're not going to say that to me now, are you? No, I'm not going to say it. No, Chris, I wouldn't say it to you. No, but I say it a lot. I'm kind of known for it, actually, myself, which is not such a good thing. All right, so, 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 oh. It's hard to get you. Okay. To t- I'm having a hard time getting you to talk about yourself. I know. I we, know. We keep I, going I, back to I, Jack, I, and I, keep, I I tend to digress. I keep trying to find out about Chris, the Chris, uh, and I know it's hard for you now to separate Chris from Jack because they are so enmeshed through this work that you've done. But there's still a Chris. There's still a separate guy that went through some of your life. Um, all on your own. Let me, let me say this first before we get into that. Okay. Uh, I think Jack had a hard time doing that, too. Ah. It, 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 and I think I'm 
sort of the same way. We're not, even though we have huge hearts on both sleeves mm-hmm. uh, and are to- we, we totally open ourselves as much as we can, mm-hmm. I think there's a strange thing about my father that has passed on to me. And that's uh, the inability to look inside and say, well, this is what I'm all about. Hmm. I don't know why that is. Hmm. I don't know why I can't sit here and, 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 and it's, it, it's not like a wire coat hangers because I have no patience for that shit <laughs> um, thing. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, these stars kids mm-hmm. who sit here and say, oh, oh, poor me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so hard being a stars kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to feel sorry about somebody, feel sorry for our sons and daughters who are overseas mm-hmm. coming home with missing limbs. Mm-hmm. Feel sorry about that. Don't feel sorry about some stars kid crying into the cup of tea. I have no patience for that shit. <laughs> Um, but but at the same time, uh, and Chris gives this in his opening mission statement of the play. I mean, there was that weirdness of being of spending your entire youth identified as an object. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, you're Jack Lemon's son. Mm-hmm. You're not Chris Lemon. You're Jack Lemon's son. Mm-hmm. You know, or you're whatever's. Uh, so, so that has a lot to do with it. That and makes maybe sense. The whole kind of turning off. I don't even want to go there. I don't want to look that deep. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is a little bit painful, mm-hmm. but at the same time, man, uh, I just I don't have patience for anybody who wears that on their sleeve. Uh, I wear a lot of stuff on my sleeve. I try to tell a story that has a lot of bumps in the road, a lot of guts to it. But it's also a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to make you laugh, I want to make you cry. Well, and that has to come from a place of honesty. It has to come from some form of self-realization. Mm-hmm. I've worked on this project for 16 years. Uh, so there has to be an honesty. Mm-hmm. But if you turn to me and you say, well, tell me what was so tough about being Chris, mm-hmm. or tell me what it was like to be Chris. I don't find it to be valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find it to be an escape, um, and I, I find it to be a reason to feel sorry for oneself. And one thing Jack Lemon never did, and that I refuse to ever do, is that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how else to answer that question. Weezy has a question for you. I'm just wondering if it's hard for you to be introspective because I think when you're the the child of a celebrity, the the children aren't the stars of the household the way they are in other households. It's the career. It's the the show business career is the star of the household. So you've just grown accustomed to deferring to that. And, And even in this work, it's all about how that has woven into the fabric of your sense of who you are. Well, thank you for, for uh, exactly branding my show. That, it's, um, that's a great we, articulation. Uh, it, it's very astute mm-hmm. observation. It is. Um, yes would be the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, 
especially back in that era. I mean, oh, God, you know, uh, I talk about Meryl Monroe living three houses down from me. There's a whole big tip of the hat to that one as well. Um, and, it, it, you know, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm Jack Lemon's son. I'm identified. You know, oh, you're Jack Lemon's son. Oh, your father was my very favorite. Oh, mm-hmm. oh what was your name, dear? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. Right. Wow. I love him. Of course. Uh, and then, That's and then one of the opening monologues in the show. And then it's not until you successfully raise your kids, where you're completely present, that you're able to really throw yourself into this work. It's like you had to do that and prove to yourself that you could do that before you would finish the 16 years of of. Weezy, thank you so much for that. My youngest one, Jonathan, uh, saw the show. Uh, Afterwards, he came to me, and you know, and here's this piece, like you guys, six four Adonis, <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and and he hugged me and he said, I forgot what he said exactly, but it was something equivalent to, well, that was pretty much perfect. Wow, ah, uh, that's the best review. <laughs> thing is success and failure in this 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 well this is this is all success this is all good because we're getting to know you and even if even if it's even if we're getting to know you through jack we're kind of getting to know chris nonetheless yeah it's very illuminating it's very illuminating isn't it interesting though uh that it, it just like my father did with all of his performances the way you're getting to know me is through mine. Yes, absolutely. Wow. You know, and that's, that's kind of astounding. Uh, you know, it, it, and Jack has a big mea culpa. Uh, you know, uh, I keep talking about it but myself. Uh, you know, I as Jack. Hmm. Uh, he has a big mea culpa at the end of the show where he talks about his alcoholism and, and, and how it's all falling apart and what is acting. How the hell, what the hell is it anyways? Hmm. What is this thing? ethereal thing that we do. I mean, you know, as an actor, you know, you get one more job, you're only as good as your last. Get one last chance to prove you haven't been fooling most of the people most of the time. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And that's the line he says, and then he falls apart. <laughs> and then he talks about, of course, uh, 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 not Joe Clay, but uh, uh, Say the Tiger mm. um, of shit. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, and, he, and he says, oh, and that's where I found this character. Wow. Um, it, it, it's it, amazing it, that it's even Jack could, could have those kind of thought. You know, I, when I think of the actor that he was, and it's hard for me to ever imagine that he had the slightest insecurity because he was genius in everything he ever did. I think most actors are probably pretty Prob- insecure. Well, probably. no, but that, that's, that's where every actor... Uh, I think I, I can. I'm qualified in saying this. Pretty much every actor who's really worth their oats mm-hmm. found their performances in their insecurity. Yeah, wow. Proud. That's, that's that's very astute. Absolutely. So, so if I'm, we, we're getting to the end here, but I, I wanted to ask you how how did you and and I know this is going to be part of the show, but I want you to tell mm-hmm. us anyway. How did you and Jack find your way back to each other after being estranged? 
It was a 30-year process. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mother and father were divorced at the age of three. Mm -hmm. He came over. He taught me to play piano. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, music, I I learned to play piano. Uh, Music became a a catalyst Mm -hmm. that ignited a flame. And at the age of 11, my father decided he was going to at least spend one week with me a year. Um, If... Because of the second marriage, mm-hmm. of course, I was I was a goner uh, as soon as that happened, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, which happens all too often. Uh, uh, and he saw that, mm-hmm. and so he said, "We're going to go fishing in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't be in Hollywood. We're going to go off to Alaska and go fishing one week a year. Twenty years that lasted. Wow! And during the course of that, uh, one of the big uh, subplots of that." Part of the narrative is loss of innocence. Mm. Of course, we saw Alaska lose its innocence because during that time the Alaska pipeline went through mm. and the last great wilderness turned into not the last mm. great wilderness. Then I, I, I did duet. I, you know, mm. I did a couple of other things. I started to get my own notoriety, mm-hmm. which really helped with our relationship mm. because suddenly I became not just his son, I mm-hmm. became a colleague, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with a hit show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got invited to Pebble Beach, uh, where he'd been trying to make the cut for 35 years. Wow. Um, after 35 years of trying, he never did it. Wow. Uh, my first year there, I did. Mm, wow. He never, he never forgave me for it. <laughs> no. Uh, he did, however, follow me around the next day and tell me how to play every single shot. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we spent 10 years at Pebble, and then the 11th year he got sick, mm. and we watched it from his hotel room. And as I said at the beginning of the interview, uh, that year his his long-suffering professional playing partner, Peter Jacobson, mm-hmm. won the tournament. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as Jack says on stage um, at the uh, beginning of the second act, um, I, I would have made the cuts. Mm. The 12th year, well, that was the year he died. Hey, Chris. Um, well, I'm, I'm really, uh, are you bringing the show to L.A. at all? Is it you're com- not going to end the, end the interview now, no, are you? I want to know if you're bringing the show. I have to see the show. When are you bringing the show to, are you bringing the show well, to tell L.A.? tell Kathleen how much I want to play. At the Falcon. The Falcon. Yes. At the Falcon. I have no pull at the Falcon. I used to know... I, I know Heather, uh, Gary's assistant, um, but that's been my only connection. You know, there. I'd love I'd love to come to L.A. Mm. I'd really like to park in L.A. for a while mm-hmm. at a small theater mm-hmm. and do it right. Uh, we had a big hit over in London at, at the uh, 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 the St. James, uh, mm. uh, which is oh God, what a lovely theater. We we just had a marvelous time there. I, I want to ask. I'd really love to bring it there. I, I don't want to go to New York yet. Yeah. Uh, or maybe I do. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just I just want to go do this show. You know. So Chris, tell I, me I, I tell really me what think... it's like when you do this and people come up to you after the show and you've just done the entire thing in your dad's voice. When people come up to you, is there like are they like kind of talking to Jack? I mean, what's going on there when they come up to you at the end? That's a good question. Because I'm thinking people uh, it, of a it certain goes, it age. It goes back to the thing I, I, you know, the story I told about the critic from Chicago. You know, I mean, people. It, the whole message of this is about you don't know what you got until it's gone. Okay. You know, it, it's about really 
going to those people you love and hugging them and telling them that you love them because that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing else more important mm-hmm. in life than relationships. And, and that's what this whole show... Us actors, you know, so many times we're asked to sell used cars. You know, we have to sell, you know, mm-hmm. shitty tires. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have to sit there and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys know. How many times have you had to do it, Vicky? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I, I so strongly believe in the message mm-hmm. that I've created it and what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe it's, you know, I, I feel it, it has worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and afterwards, I really feel those people coming to me mm-hmm. feel that. So it's not about Jack or mm-hmm. Chris or this mm-hmm. or that or mm-hmm. them. You know, I mean, my father tried to get his biography published. He couldn't. Mm-hmm. Gregory Peck couldn't get his biography published. Carl Reiner had to start his own publishing company, of which they published my book, but he, Carl couldn't get published either. I, it's crazy. Your book is really good. Thank you, Chris. But, but it's crazy. Yeah. Why did your book get published? You tell me. My book got published because Carl Reiner's publishing company published it. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't Why? be published. Why? Because his, the Larry... Because what's it about? It's about me. <laughs> no, it's more than that, isn't it? Um, it's about um, my relationships. It's about my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This isn't a story about Jack Lemon. It's a story about a father and a son. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why it got published. So now, did you? Did you? All right. I know this is part of the the, the story. Did 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 you and Jack have the great healing where you were able to tell each other that? Was he able to never, tell you? Never. No. Oh. Fathers and sons don't do that. Wow. Wow. No. Mm-hmm. It's the father son relationship is enigmatic to say the least. Loving yet competitive, caring yet judgmental. I do not believe you have that relationship with your sons. I don't. I knew that. <laughs> but my father and I did. Yeah. I hear you. My sons. Mm-hmm. But there's always... <laughs> but, you know, you sit back and go, Hey, kid, what are you doing? There's always that, too, and... Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one of the deepest kinds of love. Not accepting. Not saying, oh, it's all okay. Demanding that they are better. That, that they learn from your mistakes. That they become better. And I don't want... No, oh, I'm suddenly becoming stentorian. <laughs> yes, son. <laughs> you... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get oh, that, gosh. though. My mother challenges me and has always challenged me that oh, way. Oh, it's the same difference. Yeah. When I say father-son, mm-hmm. yeah, or father-daughter, or mother mm-hmm. bada bing bada boom mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's all, it's, it's the parent-child relationship. Although I do not, I mean, I do, I guess I do that to my kids at, at some point, but I, I think because I didn't have that warm and fuzzy with my mother, I've so overcompensated to have that with my own children. It's become such a priority to constantly be saying I love you and to... So be- do you feel that, that it's a casual thing? Um, 
possibly part. Yeah, I think it probably. I I think it probably. Do you resent your mother for that? Well, you know, I I don't. Res- uh, you know what? I've been in recovery a long time, so I've learned that acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. And I know that my mother came from my grandmother, and she got what she got from there, and became who she became because. Is your of mother it. still here? Yes, she is. Yes, she is. You talked to her about it? I spoke to her 16 times today, as a matter of fact, because of what's going on with my stepfather. You tell her you love her? Yes, I do. I've, I told her today. I told hug her, her today. a lot. And um, um, I'm... So if she goes tomorrow, you'll feel okay? God forbid, but um, but my mother knows that I love her. and. Um, but you'll feel okay? No, I'll feel like shit if she goes tomorrow. I don't, no, I don't want, I don't want her to go tomorrow. You'll feel okay with your relationship yes, with her. Yes, I, I, I think we have. Well, that's the whole fucking point of my show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to the people you love, mm-hmm. hug them, and tell them you love them because you don't know what you got until it's gone. Mm-hmm. I thought I did. Mm-hmm. I thought I did. Mm-hmm. And when my father left in 2001, it took me two years to start realizing I needed to write down the memories Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in order to get over this feeling of vacancy Mm -hmm. because my mother was gone too. Mm -hmm. I adored her. Mm -hmm. We had a a perfect relationship. Mm -hmm. My father and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And two years after he left, I started writing down the memories. I wrote them down for two years. And as I wrote them down more and more and more and more and more, and then that line, father-son relationship is enigmatic, came to me. And I went, oh, boy. And then my daughter, my little Yale graduate, you know, came to me and said, with big tears, she's, you know, she's got a master's degree from Yale. She Mm -hmm. can do the big tears. Came to me and said, I feel like the entire world knows my grandfather better than I do. Mm. Wow. And that's when I thought, I've got to write a story about parents and children. Wow. Wow. And it's got to be good. It's got to be important. It's got to talk about... It can't be a, a, you know, a, a fuzzy valentine with burnt edges. Mm. I've got to give you all the bumps in the road. Mm. But I've got to give you a story that's told by a human leprechaun. Mm. I've got to give you a story about love and lies and, and betrayal and love mm. and understanding and accepting instead of resenting. When Jack died, did he know that you loved him? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I knew that he loved me. Mm-hmm. That was my next question. But he fucked me over in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, Chris, so I have... That's okay. I That's have, the way it goes. I have one last question for you, which no. is... Yes, I know, I know. I, I know, I could talk to you forever. And by the way, when we finish all of this, don't go anywhere because we have to do something afterwards, but I'll tell you about that later. But anyway... Okay. Um, is this a date? <laughs> if you weren't married happily to... Even if you weren't married... Even if you were married unhappily, I still wouldn't go there, but never mind. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing. Um, well, there's reasons. But, but, 
Okay, I'm sorry. All right. I, I, yeah, so, I'm, 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 yeah. Okay, so, he, I'm, I'm so, so here's, my, that part out. here's my question. <laughs> <laughs> no, we leave all that shit in. So, so, here, okay. so here's my question. So I'm curious. Do, is there anything, do you have any guilty pleasures? Is there anything that you love, that you do, that you eat, that you watch, that you listen to, that you think, oh, God, I hope nobody ever sees me or knows that I love this? or that you David Letterman. Ooh, why, why would you feel guilty about that? I don't know, because I, I thought it would be funny. Um, <laughs> geez, guilty pleasures. Uh, <laughs> barbecuing? Oh, that's cute. I don't know. I'm, 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 you know, I'm 63 years old. Uh-huh. How much guilty pleasure can you have at 63? I'm waking up. <laughs> well, I'm uh, right behind you. Barbecuing is kind of cute. I kind of like that one. So, so I, you know, I do love to barbecue. Do you? Uh, you know, I, Korean barbecue is a, a big favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, guilty pleasures: uh, swearing at Donald Trump behind his back. <laughs> uh, Let's do it in um, front of his back. Yeah, let it no, really. no, no, no. I won't get political. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, yes, I will. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I act, this oh, is re- this is really crazy. My, but my my dog Izuzu. Oh well, that's he's sweet. Fourteen. You have nothing to feel guilty about there. That's that's sweet love. Well, we'll let you go with the barbecue one. We'll let that we'll let that one stand. We'll let that. No, stand. I'm really actually trying to find something that I feel guilty about. You know, maybe go ahead. after all these years. Um, aside from the fact that I have like major anxiety sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, but that's just chemical. There's nothing you can do about that. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of guilt. You know, that's a pretty wonderful thing. You're, you're the first person out of 42 shows to say that. And I kind of, that's maybe my favorite answer is that you don't have anything to feel guilty about. And none of us really do. Which makes do. me kind of boring. No, it's not. There's nothing boring <laughs> about that at all. It's actually fascinating. And it's actually the truth that I hope we all get to is that we really don't have anything to feel guilty about. Um, that's a pretty wonderful thing. I love that. Well, well thank you. But now, now I'm going to spend the whole rest of the night <laughs> trying to figure out something to feel guilty about. <laughs> no, you'll call me at 3 in the morning. I know. I yeah. like Malamars. I, I, I figured it out. <laughs> Chris, thank you. The fact that I'm actually talking to you laying on my daughter's bed because my wife is sleeping in the other room. It's, oh. it's like, like midnight here. Oh. Yeah, I'm laying on my daughter's bed doing, uh, you know, an interview. <laughs> no, no, I don't feel guilty about that. That's that's really sweet. I, I like that. You tell me. What li- do you feel guilty about? You know, I, I have lots of things. You know, I, I like I like salty, fatty. Th- I, I'm on this crazy diet right now, and I've only eaten protein. It's oh, ridiculous. But it. I'm telling you. You cannot. I, you it's cannot re- feel it's, guilty about that. But I eat salty, fatty things. I could eat, and, and I have this thing about Cheetos that I'm kind of known for and kind of my thing, but really, I have to say, potato chips could could be like oh, my down. Okay, in that case, I'm right with you. I mean, yeah, I could yeah, spend yeah. the rest of my yeah. life with just potato chips, and you know, what I are don't those those barbecue potato chips that come in the in the kind of orangey bag, I made by a very responsible eco, uh, ecology minded company. Not like kettle chips, not those. Yes, yeah, kettle chips. Those are pretty yeah, fabulous. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, uh, I yeah. you know I just I real and and, some today. and I have to tell you I eat them and I have such remorse and guilt that it's sweetheart. I look at your stuff. <laughs> you looking good, <laughs> girl. 
Okay? Don't worry about the kettle ship. <laughs> Thank you. We just need Thank Chris Lemon to follow us around. We're, really? Will you come? He's fantastic. I he's told you. I'm coming out there in a couple of weeks. I'm going up to Napa. Well, oh, well, come over. Yeah, we, we need you to we need you to come south a little bit. Just I'm going to meet you in Santa Barbara and I'll, we're going to like kettle chip it up. Listen, I, Weezy I live in lives Santa in Santa Barbara. Weezy has a house in Santa Barbara. She's there half the week. So you come to well, Santa Barbara. Well, dead is I am so are you guys going to stay with the kettle ship? Uh, we're coming. Are you guys going to stay with us? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're we're, we're yeah, coming. We're it's there. A plan. We're coming. We're there. All right. That's it's it. a deal. It's done. Chris, <laughs> I love you. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. I love you. Love you. Love you. I adore you. Chris, Thank you're you. my I new best friend. I love you guys. Friend. Fabulous. Thanks so much for having me. So easy. Take away with Chris Lemon. Wow, I, I haven't had a chance to process it. I know me either, and I want to tell you, I want to thank you for your your astute observations uh, during the, during that was was very thought provoking and 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 um, there there isn't a better word for me than astute, and and I think for me. Uh, I have a very, I'm, I'm, I'm almost moved to tears and partially it's because of what's going on in my life right now with my dad, my stepfather, but um, this relationship that he had with his dad and the way that it oversh- has overshadowed every single, that I could not get him to talk about Chris. Yes, but what he brings to us Viewing himself through the prism of his father's largeness mm-hmm. is this father-son relationship from an angle that's extremely worthwhile. He's really kind of hyper-focused on father-son stuff. Because of who his dad is, and so say. I think when you read the book or come to see the play, you're you're always going to be thinking about your own relationships, and he's just showing showing parent child relationships to us from a very specific angle that's probably very um, what's the word for it universal. Yeah, in, in in its uniqueness somehow. Maybe? Yeah, it's like kind of a magnifying glass on figuring out who you are in the shadow of your dad, because that's always a challenge. But then your dad's Jack Lemon, and you're like, okay, uh, <laughs> I think I can tackle this because he did. Um, I I. I Maybe yes, I, that that makes sense to me. Maybe that's a takeaway that some people would have after seeing his show. I I think the takeaway that he was saying he wants us to have that love is everything and that do it now before it's too late. Say those things that you that he's modeling a very different father relationship with his sons and um, has shown them a different path. And I just from how articulate he is in his affection for us just now i can see that he's different and what he's giving is different than what he received it just it 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 there's a part of me that just feels sad that i could not for one minute 
get him to talk about Chris. I think Straight up Chris. If you talk to him in a year after he's had a chance to process this and perform this, maybe he could. Well, he's doing. he's been doing it for quite a while. He's been doing it for a couple years, at but least this a year. Is, but go, that's still pretty new. Yeah, yeah, we go through sort of different phases of our life, and he's kind of in this right now where he's inter he's just intertwined with his dad and that's how he's looking at things right now and uh he's working through something and he kind of did it as i said after he successfully raised his own children Mm -hmm. and this is this is who he is right now maybe in a couple of years he'll have more to say about 10 year old chris Mm, maybe we all go through processes and he's he's sorting through something really big right now and that's and, and and it's a lesson for me for us for me um to watch him do this and to see him move through this and to process it and to get to be a uh a, an audience to that i look forward to seeing the play to reading the book i i really have i i, I I am so drawn to Chris as a human being and the warmth that he exudes and his passion and exuberance. And so my dream for him is for him, for Chris to step into Chris when, when, when he has some distance from this and embrace all that he is because there's so much to him beyond being Jack Lemon's son. Chris Lemon is a pretty extraordinary man. And that's the takeaway for me from this, is that he doesn't, I don't know that he sees all of it yet. Not yet, but I think he's on his way. I think he is too. <laughs> I, there were glimpses of it. There were moments of yeah, it. Yeah, did you notice how he asked you if the way that you love your kids is a reaction to what you did not receive mm-hmm. from your mom. He's 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 studying other people mm-hmm. and he sees what happens and how we react to things. Sometimes we can overreact and be, you know, maybe too uh lenient uh with our own children if we if we were uh if we had a particularly difficult childhood. But, you know, I think he's I think he's hyper aware of those types of uh reactions to having been parented or a lack of having been parented and maybe he's you know more uh a more compassionate empathic person than a lot of people because i think he's just sort of been watching and noticing i i think so too and i think that a lot of that observation he's channeling through the memory of his father and i look I, I sincerely look forward to the day when I, and I don't think it's too far down the road, when that voice moves from Jack to Chris and um, when he completely, uh, what's the word, walks into his own great, huge being because he is one and he's extraordinary. Um, well, in a lot of ways, he's surpassed his dad. He's a better dad. Yes. <laughs> and there's, yeah. you know, that's huge. The value of and that is... And there's a piece of him that really knows that. Mm-hmm. He's just not really going to be a guy that's going to pat himself on the back for it. But uh, he knows it. Yeah. And he's pretty... Just just the way he... His lovingness is... Um, his, his demonstrative affection is extraordinary and and it is extra 
extraordinary. It is special. He is not like most human beings. He goes that extra mile. He always has something lovely. I mean, we started the show. The first thing he did was just start complimenting me, and he ended the show the same way. He's just lovely. I just adored him. This was wonderful. I, I really had a great time. Thank you so much, Wheezy, for for walking down this road. Oh, it was just Wonderful. Um, I'm a big fan. I can't wait to see his show. Yes, cool. Well, for all of you out there, um, every Tuesday there's a new The Road Taken, so come back. But we are a radio-free podcast here whenever you are. So find us when it works for you. Mind the archives, and I look forward to next time. Thanks. The Road Taken is a radio-free podcast here whenever you are. A new show every Tuesday. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the corner of Hollywood and Vine where I'll be using a bullhorn. Well, you can also get links to all this and more at VickiAbelson.com. That's V-I-C-K-I-A-B-E-L-S-O-N. Please follow, subscribe, review, lather, rinse, repeat. Till next Tuesday. And mine and binge our archive while you're at it. It's rich with information, inspiration, and fun, damn it. Thanks for listening. And if you like to watch, keep your eyes peeled for our next Facebook Live. Mm-hmm.